Take your Bibles, please turn to Romans chapter 12. We're going to continue our study in the book of Romans and especially uh, the portion that we started just a couple weeks ago about the renewing of your mind. And I'll review for some and then we'll jump right into where we left off last week. I'll catch you up just a hair. Romans chapter 12, we are studying through the book of Romans topically. That doesn't mean verse by verse, line by line, but there's times where we'll do some of that in the book of Romans, but we've been going through topically, pulling all the Bible together. I think you'll see some of that happen again tonight, but these are some very practical things. Look at Romans chapter 12, verse number one. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Verse number two, watch this. And be not conformed to this world. The word conformed means shaped like or submitting to or being like and accepting what is of the world. But be ye transformed. That's the word metamorphosis or metamorphosis. It means changing from one thing into another like a caterpillar into a butterfly. But be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Now look at me and then we're going to jump into something here. God says that we become not conformed to the world and we are transformed by the renewing of our mind. That means two things. That means being conformed to the world is a mindset. It is a way of thinking. And the only way out of that is to have your mind transformed by the word of God and to think differently than the world thinks. Here's what's happened in our world. Now, let me remind you, uh, that's why the average, and I'm going to use the word church in quotation marks here, that looks like the world, sounds like the world, acts like the world, doesn't please God. Because they're thinking like the world. God says, come out from among them and be separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing. So we don't please God just because we have a building that says church and we do it the way we want, not the way God says. It is a mindset that needs change. Does that help everybody? All right. Now, look at Romans. And by the way, God never gives us a command that he does not give us the ability to obey. Not only does he give us the ability, but God always tells us how to obey it. So the rest of the book of Romans chapter 12 and chapter 13 teaches us how to renew our mind. And it starts with uh, verse 3, and it talks about, and we talked about this too, uh, last week, that man isn't to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. Uh, we would use the word humility, and I spent a long time on that last week, not going to review Listen online, you can catch up. Then, down in verse number 9 through verse number uh, 10, it talked about how we're to love. The world does not know how to love. Love is not how something makes you feel. Love is something what you do for someone else. I made this statement. You, can't, you can give without loving, but you can't love without giving. Love is something that is given, not expecting anything in return. Uh, and I, I believe I used the illustration of a mother with an infant child. A baby, a brand new baby, an infant cannot love you. you. Say, preacher, yes it does. No, it doesn't. It can't do anything for you. 
It might make you feel warm and squishy because you did something for it, but the baby didn't do anything but eat and cry and exhaust. Uh, that's the nicest way I know how to say it. And in some cases, it comes out as spit up. Uh, those, that's all a baby can do. You say, well, it can smile. Yeah, but that's not doing anything for you. It's just smiling, or doctors will say it's gas. I never smiled when I had gas. But anyway, <laughs> we're not going there. I talked about it. Anyway, uh, we're not talking about harps tonight. Amen? Now, uh, <laughs> you all will never forget that, will you? <laughs> now, uh, God says that we are to be renewed in our mind. In other words, we are not to think like the world thinks. We're to think the way God says to think. And in our humility, in our love, and tonight we're going to pick up two or three other things here. And we're just going to kind of keep going through these. Uh, first couple here, we're bogged down a little bit just to get you in rhythm. Then we're going to pick up steam, I promise you. Uh, but look at verse number 11 tonight with me. Not slothful in business, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. Rejoicing in hope patient in tribulation, continuing instant in prayer. Now, uh, <laughs> God wants us renewed in our minds. And it's interesting, after God talks about our humility, talks about our love, the very next thing he says is to be fervent in spirit and to not be slothful in business. Now, <laughs> The word slothful in, or the term business there, it means the speed and the quality by which we work. It's not just talking about work. It's talking about the speed and the quality that we work. Everybody doing okay? I love you. I'm about to say some things that some of you aren't going to love me for, but that's all right. Uh, God does not want his people to work like a sloth. The word slothful. Everybody know what a sloth is? They got three or four toes and climb up a tree, but they're very, 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 very slow. Uh, the word slothful means very slow. Someone who does not do something uh, speedily. There are some people that are very good at working hard at not getting any work done. Uh, yeah, I'm not going there. Uh, they're working hard, but against us, not for us. I personally believe God's saying that a Christian ought to have a better work ethic than the lost world. I think the hardest working people in this area ought to be the, the members of Grace Baptist Church. Christians. I think Christians ought to have the best reputation for work. He said, well, it's not fair. They expect more of me. So does God. He uh, said, well, preacher, you don't understand. Yeah, I do. I worked in a machine shop. I worked in restaurants. I worked line. I was headline cook in a couple different restaurants. At 17 years old, I was running the line it was a two-ended galley, a dual galley for one of the highest-end steak restaurants in, in Stark County, Ohio. 17 years old, I ran the line. By, before I turned 18 in the evening shifts, 
when things would slow down, my manager was trying to train me to become the next manager of the, I said, I'm not doing it. He said, well, come on out and learn anyway. I was hosting tables. I was doing everything and doing the cooking. <clears throat> Say, why? Because he knew he could put it on me. We'd get it done. You see, I believe Christians, and I believe God's telling us here that he expects more of us. Not just working fast, but working speedily with good results. There are some people that can work fast, but they don't make good product. Uh, when I worked production at the machine shop, I learned very quickly, you can do something fast, but if you don't keep checking parts and you make bad parts, that doesn't make the boss happy. You can make 500 parts, but if 400 of them aren't good and they have to throw them away, that doesn't go real well. Say, how'd you learn that? No, don't ask. Uh, God says that we're to be fervent in spirit. We're to have uh, fervent action about our work, like handling hot or boiling things. That's what the word fervent means. Handling something that is red hot, something that is uh, boiling. If somebody handed you something that was red hot, you're not going to hold on to it very long. There we go. As my father would say, it's not that you hold it long, but you get rid of it quick. Uh, It's one of those things, some of you fellas, if you've uh, worked with steel before or something like that, especially cutting it, uh, you get a chip down your shirt or you know, welding it drips down your arm or down your leg and into your boot or whatever. That gets real exciting real fast. You can't get it out of there fast enough. Have a big old hot chip pop off that thing, blue hot, and it's burning everywhere it touches. I've seen guys' clothes catch on fire from from hot chips before, and they're just smoking. And it's like, okay, that hurts. Yeah, here we go. Pull it off. Break it. (laughs) Do whatever. God says that we're to be fervent in our spirit. Now, hang on. That means this. You need, when you're handling something hot, you got to be careful, not just fast. God said, I don't want you to be slow, lazy, but I want you to be fervent in spirit. Uh, be careful, but be speedily about it. Move quickly with it. Get a lot done, but get it done right as you do a lot. And that's what I personally believe God says here in, and if you look the words up, I don't care if you look them up in English, Greek, Hebrew, uh, German, I don't care what you look them up as, they're all going to mean the same thing. Now, this is why we get the term light a fire under somebody. That's literally what it's saying. Get fervent in spirit. Uh, uh, be fervent in spirit. Um, the world works hard for days off. The world wants more days off. Christians ought not want more days off. We ought to want the days we have. Uh, let's produce less and work less, but get paid more money. Sound familiar? Uh, that's the way the world works. God says that's not the way Christians ought to adapt. Everybody doing okay? I told you some of you weren't going to be happy with me. God wants his people uh, I, 
I don't know how else to say this. He doesn't want you to be a bunch of lazy rascals trying to get out of work. He wants you to be not slothful, fervent in spirit, and, and doing the business well. We got to not be the ones that are first to clock out. We got to be the first ones to clock in, though. About three years ago, a man stood right here. He's about that tall, about that wide. A man named Stuart McMillan. He's a billionaire. There's a man I worked for at a machine shop. I haven't worked for Stuart in 30, at that point in time, over 30 years. But he gave this church in two different checks $165,000. I haven't even stepped foot in the shop in over 30 years. Can I tell you why that took place? You pick up the phone and call him, he'll tell you. Craig was always the first one there on his shift, always the last one out. If I needed him to stay over, he'd do it. Work through breaks if he needed to. Whatever I needed, as a matter of fact, he came down one night. I was working, and I worked the 4 to midnight shift because I'd go to college in the morning, work, take 20 hours of class, and then go to, go to work and work all evening. And uh, he came down one night about 9 o'clock, and he was on the shop floor. I was running four machines. I had an area about the size of this auditorium with four machines in it, and I'm running parts on all four of them, just running back and forth, deburring parts on them, this, that, and the other thing. And he said, Craig, I need to talk to you. I said, that's fine, but i got to keep the machines going. You're going to have to walk. And I just kept going machine to machine, machine to machine, and I'm just... He finally said, stop! I said, but he said, I'm the boss. I said, okay, I'll stop. He said, I'm trying to give you a raise. I said, I'll stop. He said, do you realize five hours into your shift, you already outproduced four guys on day shift? Because I had one man on each of these machines on day shift. And in five hours, you outproduced all of day shift on all four machines? I said, no, not keeping track yet. I will at the end of the night, but not right now. I'm too busy keeping them running. He said, well, I'm going to give you a dollar an hour raise retroactive 30 days ago. I said, thank you. I said, is that all you have to say? He said, yeah. I said, good, let me go back to work. And I started working. Now, wait a minute. Could it be that 30 years later, God do what Grace Baptist Church is going to need? I'm glad I didn't go to him and say, can I have another day off? Can I get off early? You think that kind of person is going to be the one that he invests money in? No. Maybe, by the way, he called me one day and said, what do you need? I said, I won't tell you. He said, but I got plenty to take care of whatever you need. I said, if God wants you to do something, God will tell you what to do, but I'm not asking. I'll ask him and he can tell you what you're supposed to do. He said, well, tell me what you need. I said, don't tell anybody but God what I need. I wouldn't tell him. I said, but preacher, he may have paid for the whole thing. Maybe, but it wouldn't have been what God wanted. Everybody doing okay? See, but, 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 yeah, that's the way the world thinks. Not the way we're supposed to think. We're supposed to stay hard at it, working hard. That's good stuff. Amen, preacher. <clears throat> now, I want you to notice something. Look at verse 11 again. This is great. Not slothful in business, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. 
in working hard, in working, doing good business, doing things God's way, did you know you are actually serving the Lord? Men, one of the greatest ministries you should have is with the people with whom you work. I believe work ought to be a ministry. Where we work should be a ministry. People ought to want to say that there's something different about that person. I'd like to know what makes them tick. I can't tell you how many co-workers I've won to Christ through the years, especially in church work. Uh, <laughs> you got to baptize them a little longer just to make sure that they're going to... Anyway. Uh, <laughs> Now, wait a minute. I really believe, well, I can't talk to somebody about God on the job. They talk about getting drunk. They talk about immorality. They tell filthy jokes. Why can't you talk about the Lord? Whoever told you that is a sissy. If I'm working shoulder to shoulder with somebody, now, I'm not going to stop working to talk. There's a difference. But I have the right to talk about anything I want on the job site. Everybody doing all right? Say, but preacher, I work for the government. They need it more than anybody. God knows that's true. You know, they cannot stop you about the topics about which you talk. If they can talk about evil and filth, you can talk about God. It's plain and simple. Man, I won coworker after coworker. I won bosses. I won supervisors. I won bosses. I, you name it, we did it. We had... Uh, the, the the shop would have Christmas parties that we were mandated to go to. But the Bible college I went to, we weren't allowed to be in places where alcohol were served. And they would serve alcohol at the Christmas parties. I went to the boss and said, look, I can't come. I'll get kicked out of college. And there's no need for me to have this job if I do that. I said, I want to obey, but I can't if you're going to do... And he came and said, okay, these college boys are going to be here. We'll do all the stuff beforehand. No alcohol served. And he said, I'll get up and tell you when we're about to open things up, and then you guys can leave, and then the rest can do their thing. I said, that'll work. I, I had him put it in writing, took it to the college, make sure that if somebody found out they served alcohol at the Christmas party, it said in there that it was after we left that it was served. Say why? Because I wasn't getting kicked out of college for that. <laughs> Can I tell you something? They still respect us for that. Did they agree with us? I don't give a flip. They started playing music in the shop. And of course, they weren't going to play Christian music. I get that. But one day, they're playing all these filthy country music songs. And <sighs> please don't take this the wrong way, but... I looked at the boss one day. He was down here and he said, Craig, what, what do you think we could do different? I said, get rid of the stupid music. He said, well, the guys want... I said, stop for a second, Stuart. Listen to what's playing right now. Take this job and shove it. I said, you think that's really going to do good for the workers here? I didn't think about it that way. I said, this is what they're listening to. I said, do you think that makes them want to work for you more? The music got turned off. That didn't make me very popular. I didn't care. At least I didn't have to listen to it. And they, by the way, the atmosphere in the, in the shop got better. Everybody doing all right? 
Boy, I'm having fun. Man, God says when you have a good work ethic, you can serve the Lord. Many of you will come to me and say, Preacher, I need, uh, where can I get this type of work done? Often I'll say, hey, go to this business, tell them that Brother Bush sent you. Say, why? Because they'll take care of you and they know what kind of business I do. And it's somewhat of a ministry. Because I've done good business, they'll do good business with you. But if I've jilted somebody, you think I'm going to, think people are going to treat you right? Brother Wiley's dad passed away and there's a certain funeral home that I recommend often. He called him and he said, uh, my pastor's Brother Bush, he said, oh, Grace Baptist. He said, good, what do you need? Let me help you. Brother Wiley said, he said, preacher, I don't know how you do it. I said, well, you just do good business. People do good business with you. It just works that way. It's a ministry. Everybody doing okay? So God says, not slothful in business, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. Hey, uh, children, school's getting ready to start. Some of you are looking forward to the first day off, not the first day on. When's the last day of school? God says not to be slothful in business, in work. Everybody doing all right? Yeah, I, you, you thought you were going to get out of it. No, I'll bring it right down to where you live. I understand days off. But there are people that live for the weekend. What do they do on the weekend? Nothing. Now they're talking about wanting to go to four-day work weeks. Why? So we can have another day off. dumbest thing in the world I'm, boys and girls let me tell you something there was a day in America when kids went to school year round do you know why they got three months off in the summer most of you don't even know the reason why they got a summer break that's so that you could work on the family farm that's when you did all the work on the farm then they'd shut it down during the harvest so for a week or two to get all the crops in you didn't take all the other days off. And you didn't take all summer off. You went home and worked your tail off. Everybody doing okay? Study the history of schools. You'll find out that's exactly right. So God says, not slothful in business, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. Number two, God wants his people to rejoice in hope and be patient in tribulation. Not freaked out all the time. Look at verse 12, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing instant in prayer. Now watch this. Uh, take your Bible, turn to Romans chapter 5, verse number 3. Romans chapter 5, verse number 3. I'm going to use some words here. You're going to see some common words that we just read. Look at Romans chapter 5, verse number 3. And not only so, but we glory in what? Tribulations also. Knowing that tribulation worketh patience. What did we just read in Romans chapter 12, verse 12? Rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation. Wow. Look at Romans chapter 8, verse number 35. Romans chapter 8, verse number 35. 
Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? God says, you think that tribulation, you think that uh, opposition, these things are going to separate you from God's love? You look in verse 37, it says, Nay, in all these things, we're more than conquerors through him that loved us. Amen. For I'm persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor principalities, things present, nor things come, nor any other creature can separate us from the love of God. I didn't say all of it, I know. I just kind of hurried through that. I didn't quote it, just paraphrased. All right? Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 7. 2 Corinthians chapter 7. Romans, 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter 7, look at verse number 4. Great is my boldness of speech towards you. Great is the glory of you. I am filled with comfort. I am exceeding joyful in all our what? Boy. Exceeding joyful in tribulation. That doesn't sound like the normal person, does it? Well, preacher, it's just so bad. Things are just so bad. The cat threw up. Dog's got diarrhea. Wife's mad. All those things. It's just so bad. <laughs> Can you tell I've been... Now, wait a minute. Isn't it amazing when somebody stubs their toe how bad a day it is? And yet God says that we should be exceeding joyful, that we ought to be patient in tribulation. Now, hang on here. We're going somewhere. Without tribulation, there is no need for hope. Look at it again. Rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation. If you don't have need and if you don't have opposition and if you don't have a clear path through something, there is no need for hope. Hope comes when you can't see what's coming next. When you can't see the end to the problem. That's when hope is needed. So without tribulation, without distress, without the opposition, there is absolutely no need for hope. That's just like saying without doubt, there's no need for faith. You have to have doubt in order to have faith. Lord, I believe, help thou my unbelief. You see, you've not seen heaven. You've not seen God. But if we trust what he says, by faith, look what God does. Come on. How can you know there's a heaven? Have you ever seen it? No. Have you ever seen your heart? Well, I feel it. Okay, I felt God. Have you actually ever looked inside your chest and saw your own heart? How do you know it's there then? You believe a doctor. Everybody doing all right? Have you ever seen the wind? Say, oh yeah, I saw it just the other day during that storm. No, you saw the effects of the wind, but you didn't see the wind. You saw the, the rain blowing in the wind, but you didn't see wind. You can't see wind, but yet you believe it's there. You feel its presence. And I can feel and sense and know the presence of God just like you can your heart or the wind. 
by faith you do so. Everybody doing okay? God's mindset is to stay calm, not panicky, when tribulation comes. I'm going to make a statement here. I don't mean this to lift me up, but this church has never seen me panic. And you won't. No matter how bad it gets, I don't panic. You say, why? I have to be patient in tribulation. It's a mindset. I, I go through tragedies. I get bad news. I get heartbreak. I get all those things. And you say, preacher, how do you? Because you learn to be patient in those opposition times. I didn't say I don't feel it. But I have to put my feelings on hold to help everybody else through it. Everybody doing all right? Uh, <laughs> you can be thankful you have hope, but you don't have to be thankful for the problem that requires hope. Listen to that statement. You can be thankful for hope, but you don't have to be thankful for the problem that requires hope. Let me illustrate that. You can thank God for a place called heaven, right, Miss Kim? But we don't have to be thankful for the fact that she's got two nephews within 12 hours. One was killed in a car wreck and the other in a drive-by shooting. And there's a double funeral this week. Uh, I'm not thankful for what happened, but I'm thankful for the hope because both were saved and are going to be in heaven. Can I tell you something? I'm thankful for the hope of heaven. I'm not thankful for the fact that we have to send our loved ones ahead. Everybody understand that? I'm, I'm really thankful for a place called heaven because my mama's there. But can I tell you something? I wasn't real happy the day she had to go there. Now, I, I'm not thankful that she is not here, but I'm thankful she's where she's at. That's the hope. Does that make sense to everybody? Uh, I... <laughs> These, you got these crazy people out there and, you know, oh, good God, good devil, bless God, I got this problem. You're an idiot. <laughs> you don't break your arm and say, well, praise the Lord, I broke my arm. You're stupid. Well, I'm supposed to be thankful for it. You know, you ought to be thankful that you're not dumber than you were and broke more than just your arm, I guess. I don't know. But I don't think that we ought to be praising God because something hurt. Bless the Lord, I got cancer. I don't think that brings honor and glory to God, but it, God's saying here, be patient. Don't get all freaked out. Don't get all weirded out. Uh, hang on, I'll just keep on going here. Patient means continue to do right in the face of opposition. So to be patient in tribulation means I keep doing what is right while I go through the opposition. How do you get through problems? You keep doing that which is right. You continue on. In other words, you don't run away from it. Well, I'll just run away. That's really going to fix the problem. Uh, I'll, I'll get angry at, at what made that come this way. I get mad at everybody else just because I'm going through a bad problem. I'm going to make sure everybody understands I'm angry. Can I tell you something? Your bad attitude doesn't fix anything. Amen. Everybody doing all right? I'm having fun tonight. 
I'm going to change what I believe so that it doesn't hurt so bad. I know people that will, well, this hurts so bad, I'm going to change. God must not be working, so I'm going to try something else. Can I tell you something? That's the stupidest thing you can do. Well, my marriage isn't going real good. Let's, let's just change partners and maybe it'll get better. That's a real smart thing. You know, if you've been married five, six, seven, eight times, there's a different denominator than you're thinking. Look in the mirror. Uh, maybe if I act like the one that's hurting me, then what's hurting me might go away. Eh, wrong answer. Continue in what is right. God says don't answer evil for evil or railing for railing. But be patient in tribulation. Patient in tribulation means you treat everybody nice whether you feel like it or not. Please don't take this the wrong way. I don't always feel like standing here saying, I love you. There's some of y'all I wish would listen to me and I want to take in choke you every once in a while. There's some of you need a size eight and a half stuck somewhere every once in a while. I don't do it, but that's what I want to do. So I become patient. Everybody doing all right? You say, preacher, I don't think you ought to say that. Well, you're thinking it. I might as well. And I've thought it. You ought, to, you ought to give your heart and your life to people. Get up and preach all day on Sunday. And somebody wasn't there or somebody that was there on Monday goes and goes against everything you just said. And calls you and said, I just messed up. What should I do? Well, you should have been in church yesterday. That would have helped you. That's what I want to say. I cannot say that because <laughs> it's not patient <laughs> in tribulation and it's not going to fix it anyway. Now, hang on. Listen to me very carefully here. <laughs> Don't get a bad attitude with somebody that's got a bad attitude. I'm going to use the ridiculous to illustrate the obvious. Anybody that's ever had a teenager understands this. You got a teenager, it's got a bad attitude. I wish you would fix your attitude. That's really going to fix things, isn't it? Have you looked at yourself? Guess who trained them? Hmm. Isn't it amazing how quick we get a bad attitude with somebody who's got a bad attitude? Now, I'm one of those people, I'm doing okay till you disrespect. I have a real hard time with disrespect. And it takes every fiber of my body not to want to choke somebody. That's why I don't go to professional ball games anymore because people that won't stand for the flag, I'd probably get in a fight. Because the last time I went, I told three fellas they were going to stand up or I'm going to jerk them up. I'd say, preacher, would you have done it? Yep. And they knew it. That's why they stood up. And when one stood up with his hat on, I took it off his head and threw it on the ground. He understood I meant business. I don't like disrespect. You can disrespect me all you want. Somebody disrespects my wife, look out, I'm coming unscrewed. It's just not going to happen. I won't put up with it. Somebody disrespects our church, look out. You can say anything you want about me. Don't disrespect our church. I'm going to fight for you. Everybody doing okay? Now, wait a minute. What does God want us to do with this tribulation? Turn to Second Corinthians, or, yeah, Second Corinthians, chapter one. Second Corinthians, chapter one. 
God said to be patient in tribulation. Why? I'll show you exactly why God wants you patient in tribulation. Look at verse number three. Blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, and the God of all what? Comfort. Now look at me. When you're going through tribulation, going through oppression, going through opposition, what do you want? You want comfort, right? Watch this. Who comforteth us in all our what? Tribulation. That we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble. By the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. Hmm. Sometimes God wants you to go through that opposition so that you can help other people down the line as they go through opposition. All you want to do is sit there and suck your thumb and complain about it and tell everybody how bad it is. How about you just keep on going, get through it. By the way, it's faster to get through it that way. And as you get through it, then you can take somebody who's younger than you. And as they face the problems of the ministry and problems of life, you say, been there, follow me, let me help you through this. <laughs> and I've been there. God bless this couple. Moved all the way from Tennessee and haven't even seen the inside of the house they bought yet. First time they'll see it is after they close and we go in to clean it and move their stuff in. Now, ladies, don't you complain about how bad you got it because he left his dirty clothes on the floor. They don't even have a floor yet and haven't seen what floor it's going to be. Y'all doing okay? Hang on. I've been there. I did worse. I drove my wife all the way across country from Indiana to California. We got into California. She said, honey, where are we going to live? I said, I don't know. She said, you mean, I said, I don't know. Find out when we get there. <laughs> At least you didn't do that to her. <laughs> he learned from me. Comforting the feeble-minded. God didn't say what to do with the no-minded. Amen? Wait a minute. I moved her all the way across the country. Pulled up in front of the church. Moving truck, pulling a car. Had driven from northwest Indiana to Long Beach, California. Got out and the pastor said, do you have a place to live? I said, no. I said, the only time I was here is when you flew me out. He said, well, i got a place just a few blocks up the road here. Let's go look at it and see if... Went there, 848 square foot, two bedroom, one bath house in 1990. $1,000 a month rent. He said, is this okay? I said, can I afford that? <laughs> I thought... $185, $200 a month for the apartment we were doing was a little salty. This is $1,000 a month. He said, yeah, I think you can do it. I said, okay, we'll do it. We moved our stuff in. Then found out the refrigerator was broke. We spent the first six weeks without a refrigerator, living out of an igloo cooler, going to the grocery store every two days to get more ice. No kidding. That little lady's been through a lot. 
The fact she's still with me is a miracle, amen? Now hang on. Don't you think I understand what they're going through right now? It, it's going to be okay. We're going to get there. He come driving up with that truck and all that stuff on the back of it, and I just started giggling. I know what it's like. He said, I think, no, I don't know. I, I don't know, preacher. I don't know where it's at. <laughs> I know that feeling. Now hang on. I can be a help to them because we've been through that. Watch this. Instead of sitting there complaining about it, how about you go through it and help somebody else? Instead of whining and calling everybody to tell them how bad it is, why don't you find somebody else that needs some help and help them? Notice what God said. Who comforteth us in all our tribulation that we may be able to help them which are in any trouble. By the same comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. Well, they don't have the same problem. Don't need the same problem. There's the same comfort because it's the same God. The God of all comfort. Boy, that's good stuff. Uh, Miss Kim, I've never lost two nephew, nephews in 12 hours. Tragically like that. But I've tried to be a help to Miss Kim. Tried to be a help to her family. How? By the comfort I got when I've gone through it. Everybody doing okay? That's what God says. I got to hurry here. Number three, go to Romans 12 again. We'll hit one last thing quickly. And I'll crash land the plane. Continuing instant in prayer. Now, hang on. God does not want us to use him as a genie in the bottle and rub it every time we want something. Prayer is not for us to tell God how we expect God to do something. Prayer is for us to find out from God how God wants us to do something. Everybody doing okay? Turn to Colossians chapter 4. Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. Colossians chapter 4, look at verse number 2. <clears throat> Notice God says continuing instant in prayer. Colossians 4, 2. Continue in prayer. And watch in the same, uh, in the same with thanksgiving. Notice the word there is the word continue. Doesn't that mean more than once? That word continue is in a different tense in the Greek. It's in the linear tense. It means to continue and continue and continue and continue and continue and to continue and to continue on and on and on and on. Now watch this. Philippians chapter 4. Go back a few pages. Philippians chapter 4, verse number 6. God says this. Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. Oh, be careful in nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication. The word supplication is virtually the same word as continuing. It means by begging and continuing to beg. Go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 17. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 17. Pray without 
ceasing. That means don't quit. Sounds like continue, correct? Now, God says here that we are to continue instant in prayer. <laughs> Let me make a few statements here, and these will help you. Prayer is for fellowshipping with God and a time of learning what he wants, not telling him what you want. Prayer is not about us telling God what we expect God to do for us. It's time for us to spend time with him, to learn him, so that we can know what he wants us to do with what we have to deal with. Too many people use God as the genie in the bottle. We get in trouble, rub it. Okay, God, this is what I want. Give it to me. And if it doesn't happen, well, God doesn't love me and God doesn't answer my prayer. No, God might have told you no. I asked my dad for many things. Just because I wanted to eat pie for breakfast, cake for lunch, dessert for, for supper, he would say no. But I wanted it. It wasn't what was best for me. There's times we ask God for things that aren't good for us, and he says no. Everybody doing okay? <laughs> we don't have time to go there, but you go back to Genesis chapter 2 and chapter 3 sometime. And you see God and man in the Garden of Eden. And man and God are working together. They're walking together. They're talking together. Man was being shown by God how to run the earth. Man was not a caveman and had to fall out of a cave and hit his head on a rock to figure out how to make a wheel. He didn't eventually dig deep enough to find coal and figure out he could burn it. God told him where it was at. Everybody doing okay? God told man where everything was in the earth, how to get to it, how to use it. He didn't eventually just get angry at his wife and rub two sticks together till they caught on fire. That's evolution. It's wrong. God taught man and gave him the ability to have dominion over the fish sea, fowl of the air, every creepy thing that creepeth upon the face of the earth. Man didn't figure it out on his own. God told him how to do it. Everybody doing okay? How did they do it? That's called prayer. Prayer is talking to God. Fellowshipping with God. Some would say it's a walk with God. Well, God never talked back to me. He gave you a book called the King James Bible. He said all the words he needs to say to you. We're to spend time with him, talking with him, asking the Holy Spirit to guide us as we read this to find out the answers to what we have questions for. Everybody doing okay? So prayer and the Bible are for us to do things his way. Not about us telling him how we want him to do it in our life. Who do we think we are telling God how he has to do something? When your children were small, you think you're going to let them tell you how to run your business? What right do you have as God's child tell him how to run his business? Everybody doing all right? <laughs> Prayer is not saying the same words over and over and over, nor is it continued, continuing to ask God for things that are contrary to his word. That's 
Matthew 6, 7 talks about that we're not to uh, use vain repetition. Is vain repetition. Saying what they call the Lord's Prayer, which it's not. It's an outline of prayers, not the Lord's Prayer. But repeating the same words and chanting the same words over and over and over and over are not what make God happy. Everybody doing okay? Saying Hail Mary and all the other things so many times, vain repetition. Don't get angry with me. You're going to think I'm saying something contrary to the Bible. I'll prove it in a second here. Asking God to save somebody is vain repetition. I'm for people getting saved. But do you know that God did everything necessary for every human being to get saved already? And he already said in his word, God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Do you know it's not God's job to make sure that Brother Anthony Aaron got saved? It was somebody else's job to give him the gospel, to give him the opportunity to get saved. We do have the right to say, God, would you send somebody to this person that will they'll listen to with the gospel? And it's your responsibility to give them the gospel. But to sit there and say, oh, God, save them. Oh, God, save them. God said, I already did everything they need. Go tell them. It's not God's fault for anybody that dies and goes to hell. It's our fault if, A, we don't get saved, or, B, we don't tell them how to get saved. Quit blaming God for it. Boy, that's good stuff. We vainly repeat Oh, I prayed for my uh, loved one for 47 years for them to get saved. And I'm glad you prayed that they would get saved, but God wanted them saved more than you did. He did it 6,000 years ago. Genesis chapter 3, verse number 15. God foresaw every human being that ever would be and said, Jesus said, I'll, I'll not only be the lamb, but I'll be the high priest. I'll pay the price, save them in advance before I get there. Then you'll save them afterwards for sure. Everybody doing okay? But for us to put it on God that it's God's fault that they don't get saved, that's on man, not God. Everybody doing okay? We shouldn't vainly say things contrary to the word of God. Well, uh, I, I love this person. They're not saved, but I love them and I, I'm going uh, to marry them anyway because I love that person. And maybe by marrying them, they'll get saved. God says, don't do that. Eh, wrong thing to do. Everybody doing okay? I, I love you. I'm going to tell you the truth. Boy, that's... <laughs> I got to finish. God's not a welfare giving God to give you all you ask for. Prayer is for us to have a relationship with God and for him to guide us through the word of God to show us how to get to the answer. Does God give us gifts? Yes, he does. But we're supposed to do our part. Continue instant in prayer. Uh, That's a different mindset. I wonder how many churches will blame God for somebody dying and going to hell. 
Well, I prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and they didn't get saved. I don't know why God didn't save them. To me, that's a dangerous statement to make. Everybody doing okay? Uh, <laughs> my question is this. Did you ever tell them how to get saved? Well, no, I prayed for them. Maybe the blood might not be on God's hands, but yours. Well, I, I said, I prayed the same thing every day for 45 years. Vain repetition. Did you ever go tell somebody? When my grandparents were in a nursing home. I was in a distant state. I was in California and South Carolina. I couldn't go to Ohio and be there every week with them. But just about every week of my life, I went into a nursing home, preached the gospel to a bunch of old folks, hoping somebody would go to a nursing home in, in Ohio and minister to my grandparents like I was to somebody else's. Everybody doing all right? I couldn't be there, but I could help somebody else's. Boy, that's good stuff. Maybe we ought to get our eyes off ourselves. God tells us it's a different mindset. Prayer isn't just telling God what you want. It's spending time with him to find out what he wants. Boy, that's good stuff. I don't know about you. What I want might be good, but what God wants for me might be a whole lot better. <laughs> if my former boss would have asked me what I wanted, at that time I needed $10,000 so bad I couldn't stand it. I'm glad I said you do what God wants and he gave us $65,000. Brother Jim, what I wanted wasn't as good as what God wanted. I couldn't ask somebody for that much. I couldn't ask for ten thousand, let alone sixty-five thousand. Then, if about a year later, he calls me and says, "Hey, uh, go check the bank. Had some crumbs left in the Christmas cookie jar. Hundred thousand dollar check." I thought, if that's the crumbs, I want to see the jar. I didn't ask for any of it. Just spent time with God and said, God, you know what we need. I'll keep going until I can't go any farther, but I'm going to need some help along the way here. You help me. Isn't it amazing what we do if we just do it God's way? Every head bowed, every eye closed, I'm done. i got to shut up. God wants us to renew our mind. We're not to think like the world. We're not to react like the world. We're not to... Uh, be slothful in business. We're not to uh, freak out when tribulation comes, but be patient. And God wants us to continue in prayer and keep praying the right way and spend time with him and fellowship with him and enjoy him and do it according to the word of God. Let's renew our minds.